Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fluff Stuff. In this episode, we will be discussing true crime events. Viewer discretion is advised. Today, Cassidy will be sharing with Hannah a story that hits just a little too close to home. And Hannah will be sharing a story with Cassidy of a missing persons case that has gone unsolved for seven years. Enjoy the episode. Okay, guys. Uh, well, as you heard in the intro, we we're talking about true crime today. This is our take two of true crime. We had audio issues in the first take, so we're trying again. <laughs> Cassidy is going to share the same story that she shared last time, mm-hmm. um, but we'll still have some great discussion about that. And then I have a new one that hopefully she hasn't heard, so we'll see when we get there. So we're going to start with Cassidy's story. Well, I guess we could talk a little bit about our passion for true crime. Oh my gosh, yes. We both enjoy true crime and um, listen to true crime podcasts and would you say you get most of your true crime from podcasts or are you more like the documentary? Um, I would say that it's pretty equal. So I get it either from documentaries, YouTube. Um, I get mine from podcasts for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would say 50% podcast, 50% YouTube. Oh, okay. YouTube. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Well, cause we both like Kendall Ray. Yes. On YouTube and Bailey Sarian, mm-hmm. which I've only started watching Bailey Sarian in the last couple months. Cause you told me about her, I think. Yeah. She's amazing. I found her when I was working one week on one week off when the pandemic first started and I saw her on YouTube. I was like, Ooh. And then I clicked on it and I've literally been hooked every, yeah. ever since. And <laughs> yeah. now do you sing her, um, her, uh, intro? with her um no i don't i haven't listened to enough of them to know it yet Uh, i always do (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah and kendall ray has a podcast with her partner as Mm -hmm. well i'm assuming they're married i think it's her husband right yeah they're married okay yeah do you ever listen to that one no i started to but i feel like it's they don't they're not on one subject they kind of hop around sometimes so it's hard for me to follow Oh, yeah. Typically, when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm either at work or I'm doing something around the house. So I typically need to be focused. Like, if I'm going to listen to hers, it, it needs to have all my attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't, it's not one of the ones that I like started at the beginning and listened to every single one until I'm caught up. Yeah. But I do enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. But they kind of go into like, you know, outside of true crime and they talk about, uh, I don't know, kind of paranormal. They'll talk about like alien stuff and mm-hmm. conspiracies and, and different stuff like that. But anyways, um, I would say I get about like 90% of my true crime from podcasts, mm-hmm. maybe 80, 80%. And I do like certain documentaries like Don't Fuck With Cats. Did you watch that oh one? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. I, oh, that one was so good. And the one, the one with the girl that got taken by that pedophile that her family just like let happen do you remember that did you see that one is that the madeline no one? not madeline mccann um oh no, this girl was groomed by a neighbor yeah and then what was she, that called? i don't remember but she like would send like she would send letters to her parents and be like i'm okay and her parents were just like okay yeah. they like took her he like took her to mexico and tried to marry her what was and that called abducted abducted in plain sight in plain sight that's what it was. That one was really good that and messed up. So and good. The, oh, the girl was in it. Well, she's a woman now, but ugh, that one was crazy. Mm-hmm. And did you watch Evil Genius? Yes. That one was really good too. That one was so good. So yeah, I like those ones. Okay, so um, 
yeah, so that's kind of our passion for true crime. So you can probably expect more true crime related content on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's, I mean, not necessarily what we're going to solely focus on. But uh, without further ado, Cassidy has a story um, that took place in our hometown. Yeah, so this is the case of Alonzo Zoe Brooks. This happened in 2004, and Alonzo lived in Gardner, Kansas, which is where Hannah and I grew up. And I hadn't heard, so I've heard this now since we had to do this again, but mm-hmm. before before she told me about it, I had not heard of this case at all. Yeah. Somehow. I so have no idea how. I didn't know, so it happened in 2004, and I didn't know anything about it, and I lived in Gardner almost my whole life. And So you would have been in what, like fifth grade? Fifth or sixth grade? Um, yeah. I would have been in like intermediate school. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I would have been – I'm a year younger, so I would have been like maybe fourth grade. Yeah. Just to give some context for everyone. The reason why I know this case and the reason why I feel like a lot of people in our area know this case is because it was featured in a Netflix series called Unsolved Mysteries. And if anybody wants to go and watch it, it's volume two and the episode is called No Ride Home. And you'll find out why here in just a second. So, Alonzo Zoe Brooks was born on May 21st of 1980. He is from Topeka, Kansas, and and at some point, him and his mother moved to Gardner. I can't find when. I rewatched a documentary, and I couldn't find anything about when they moved from Topeka to Gardner, but I do not think that Alonzo Brooks went to Gardner-Edgerton High School. Oh, okay. So he might have moved here after he was out of high school. Yeah, I think he graduated from Topeka and his mother moved here. But I could be wrong, but I couldn't find anything on the internet trying to figure out like when they moved to Gardner. Right. So Alonzo was 23 years old when this happened. And one night, him and his friends came up with a plan to go to a party in Lacine, Kansas. Um, Have you ever heard of Lacine? I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever been. I don't think I have either. I think it's a pretty small town. Yeah. It's like one of those ones you see a sign on the highway. Yeah. and It's like like, Lacine and you're like, oh, Lacine, but mm -hmm. you never like go there. Right. And so they, and I don't know why they decided to go to Lacine because Lacine is about an hour away from Gardner. Yeah. And if I was there and someone said, hey, you want to go to a party an hour away, I would have said, no, thank you. No way, Jose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's like a ton to do in Gardner, but like if I'm going to go somewhere, it's going to be like Overland Park or Olathe. Right. Not all the way. At the farthest. Yeah. Yeah. So his friends and him decide to go to this party. So just for a little side note, Alonzo Brooks is half black and half Mexican and at the time, I do not believe that Gardner was very, um, what's the word? Um, diverse. Diverse. That's it. it. It's still not, but probably more than it was then. Yeah. So definitely yeah. not as diverse as we would like it today. I don't believe that Lacine would be any better. <laughs> no, Lacine's smaller than Gardner, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So they went to this party and... Well, before they went, Alonzo needed a ride because he didn't want to drive. And mm-hmm. so he was asking somebody for a ride. And one of his friends was like, you know what? You can ride with me. And so he goes to the party and he is the only black man there. And um, to other people, they say that the the party was full of cowboys, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And at this party, there's about 80 people. Now, That's you, insane. Yeah. So if you, <laughs> if you look up a picture of a house, and I had Hannah do this last time. Yeah. The house is not very big. No, it's like a farmhouse. Yeah. Like, so it looked like it might have been a three bedroom 
Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, two or three bedroom house. Yeah, and it's on a plot of land, and it's not. A, I don't know how that many people fit inside of that house, but yeah, that would be like standing room only yeah. sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. So, which I have been to parties like that, and it is not fun. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. So there's a lot of people there, and they all show up, and apparently, not even five or ten minutes after they got there, there was racial slurs that were thrown at Alonzo. Mm-hmm. Now Alonzo didn't really care. Um, apparently he got into a little tiff with somebody with about it, but not very long. And he just kind of brushed it off. Yeah. Probably just standing up for himself. You would think. Right. You know, like, Hey, cut it out. I'm just here to, you know, enjoy my time with my friends or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so they go on with the night. Everything seemed fine. The guy that Alonzo uh, rode with, he said, Hey man, I'm out of cigarettes. I'm going to go down to a gas station and go get some. And Alonzo says, hey, I'm, I'm almost out as well. Can you get me a pack? And he's like, yeah, no, yeah, no problem. So the guy drives and apparently he gets lost. And because the party's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's 2004. I mean, you didn't have GPS on your phone. Right. And they're an hour from where they live. So he gets lost and somehow he ends up like 30 minutes south from Lacine. And mm-hmm. so... He decides to call one of his friends that is still at the party and said, hey, man, I am lost. Um, I'm just kind of done with this, and I think I'm just going to go home. Can you please give Alonzo a ride home? And the guy's like, yeah, of course, no problem. Mm-hmm. So the next day rolls around, and Alonzo, Alonzo's mom gets a phone call right in, mo- in the morning, and it's somebody saying, hey, is Alonzo home? And she's like, yeah, he should be here. He should be in his bedroom. Let me go check. She goes to his bedroom and he's not there. And she's like, oh, that's weird. He must have, you know, passed out downstairs. So she goes downstairs and he's not there either. Mm. So she starts calling everybody and saying, where is Alonzo? He did not come home last night. And the guy, and it's, it's kind of murky waters, but the guy said, the one that was supposed to take Alonzo home, the second guy that's supposed to take Alonzo home, mm-hmm. somehow ended up thinking that Alonzo already got a ride home and he wasn't there. So he didn't really worry about it. And he drove home because he thought, oh, Alonzo. So he couldn't find Alonzo and just assumed that he had already been taken home. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's what it comes down to because he didn't really say much about it. He pretty much was like, mm-hmm. oh, Alonzo already ride, had a ride home. I don't have to worry about it. So he left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His mom decides to go to the police. I don't know if she went to the Gardner police or she or went down to, well, first, her and her family went down to to the house to go try to find him. Oh, and mm-hmm. his brother is looking around, and his brother finds his shoe. And then down the road, he finds his other shoe. And mm. he's like, something isn't right here. On like the highway or on the road by the house? I believe it was like the gravel road that was like next to the house, but it was kind of like down the, down the street a little bit. Like leading to the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is not right. Something's... Something's going on. We need to figure this out. So they went mm-hmm. to the police and the police were like, how long has he been missing? She's like, well, I haven't seen him in like 24 hours. Like, well, it has to be 48 hours before it can be a missing person. Which is so stupid. Yeah. A is so stupid and B, it's so common in these kind of cases where people. I know. Like, you hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's a little kid, they're like, oh, they'll come. They'll show up. And it's right. like, no, I know my kid. Like his mom was clearly expecting him home and very rattled that he was not there or did not contact her. Yeah, and that's exactly what she said. She said, I know Alonzo, and I know Alonzo wouldn't just not come home. Right. And the police said, well, he's probably just wandering out there somewhere. He's He'll he'll show up. And she's like, 
Without his shoes. Yeah. And I forgot to say this, but this happened in the springtime and mm. it had been raining. And she's mm. like, he's not just out there walking, A, with no shoes on, and B, in, in the rain. And he's just walking yeah. out. If, if he was walking down the street, we would have already seen him by now. And we haven't. Right. And why? Yeah. Why would he be? Right. Yeah. So finally, they did the missing person report and they get everybody down there. FBI is down there. They have dogs down there searching. They brought in a dive team because there was a tiny little creek behind the house. So they brought a dive team and they searched for a little bit over a month and there was nothing that showing signs that Alonzo was there. Mm. So the police finally went to the parents and or to his mom and said, you guys can go search down there. We can't find him. So it's you, you can go down there and search if you would if you would like. So his mom decided to stay behind. Uh, Alonzo's brother and, you know, his siblings and other people came down to help search for him. Mm-hmm. It took him about 20 minutes to find his body that was across the creek and that wasn't very far away from the house. And you can look up online where are the his, where the house is and where his body was found. And it wasn't that far, right, Hannah? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, easily walkable in 10 minutes. Right. Tops. And so... A stone's throw, if you will. <laughs> right. I think that's actually what they said. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. In, in the documentary, is like... It's, that's just a very Midwest thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it was it was not that far at all. Yeah, no, like on the property, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they find his body and they take it, do an autopsy on it, and the cause of undeath is unknown. Um, there was no water in his lungs. Yeah, uh, so was he found? Remind me, was he found in the water or next to the creek? So he was found next to the creek with some brush on top of him. Oh, like kind of buried. Kind Which of. could have happened from the elements or whatever. Like he had foliage on top of him. Yeah. So uh, when they in the documentary, they said that like a couple days before they found him, there was a huge rain, mm-hmm. um, rain shower that happened. And mm-hmm. cause, like, I guess when the dive team went out there, the water was so low that you can see the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure why they brought a dive team if the creek was that low <laughs> they're just like wearing rain boots yeah <laughs> not that, actually diving that's the dive team the cause of a de- the cause of death is unknown um there was no trauma to his body there was no water in his lungs and the the autopsy guy someone asked him hey, could it could have been strangling and he said well i don't know because all of the ligaments in his neck have been deteriorating and you can't even tell if there was any damage to like the ligaments in his throat because his body has been de- uh, you know decomposing for a next amount of time yeah you would think you would still be able to t- i mean god what do i know but you know i've watched a lot of csi <laughs> and i feel like <laughs> yeah you find you find bodies skeletons and they're like oh it looks like it was blah 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 like their his hyoid bone would have been broken you would have been able to tell mm-hmm. even if all you had was the bones left right and like when i was telling hannah about this last time i was telling her about how the autopsy guy just kind of seemed like he was he didn't really know what he was talking about <laughs> yeah like it was yeah like he got an online degree yeah like no hands-on experience because <laughs> pretty much all of his questions or all of his answers were like well i don't know I mean, you know it could be it could be this um yeah but i don't i'm like 
you don't know like isn't this what you went to school for and you're just like yeah well maybe maybe i don't you're not gonna call in maybe a second opinion or right you know it's just you get you're stuck with who you're stuck with and this guy seems like a shit for brains to use another midwest term (laughs) so obviously they bring everybody in that well they try to get Mm -hmm. everybody that was at that party to get some answers and apparently alonzo he stayed at the party because he was flirting with a girl. Mm-hmm. And this is a quote from the FBI. Some said Brooks may have flirted with a girl. Some said drunken white men wanted to fight with an African-American male. And some said racist whites simply resented Brooks' appearance. So there's been a lot of debate online and just around the community. It was Alonzo Brooks murdered or did something happen to him he got too drunk and fell into the water or, you know, just there's yeah. there's a lot of open questions. I don't know. There's just nothing that sh- that tells me for sure that he was murdered. And there's, but there's nothing that for sure tells me that he wasn't he was not murdered. Well, yeah, I mean, if he had, I guess, quote unquote, succumbed to the elements, it's not like it was December and he froze to death. Right. Just after being outside one evening, like even if he got really drunk and stumbled out to the creek for whatever reason, I mean, he would have woken up in the morning mm-hmm. and stumbled back to the house or to the road or, you know, wherever he could find the closest. I mean, if you it, from the picture now, of course, this is like an aerial view. But if you look at the house and the creek, you know, there's a line of trees surrounding the creek. But if you walked past that line of trees for for all I can tell, it looks like you'd be able to see the house. Yeah. If you came out on the correct side. Mm-hmm. But then if you came out on the wrong side, it might just be a field. Yeah. Either way, I feel like you go to one side and you look around, you're like, oh, this is an empty field. Cross the creek, go through the trees. Oh, here's the house. Yeah. And the thing that I think directs me to him being murdered is the fact that the police were there for over a month and didn't find anything. And his parents go there for 20 minutes and his body is found. You know. Yeah. And so we talked about that last time. It seems like... Whoever, if he was murdered, whoever did it waited until the police were done searching and dumped his body where they've already searched. Yep, exactly. Which is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Not to, you know, <laughs> get, get any ideas in anybody's heads, but I'd be a really good idea. And who would expect the family to go search again after that? Yeah, no one. I don't think anybody would have, you know, expected yeah. that. Right. I mean, if they had searched that long, you would think, well, he's not there. Mm-hmm. So thank God their family decided to go search again. Yeah, if they would have just been like, well, he's not there, then his he probably maybe never have been found. No, I mean, I think something would have eaten him or yeah, something. Yeah, so – and the other thing that pissed me off about the autopsy guy is that people were like, well, may, I think somebody put his, his remains in a freezer until the police were done searching. And the autopsy guy's like, yeah, well, I'm, you know, that's a bad – I don't – that maybe. I'm like, what? <laughs> you can't tell? He probably didn't look because – this guy sucks. Care. Like, this guy he straight sucks. up sucked. What's his name? I don't even know. <laughs> send him, I'll send him a glitter bomb. <laughs> like, you suck. You suck. Here's a glitter bomb. Boom. Good luck cleaning that up, you dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know what happened at that party. Um, but since this documentary came out, they did reopen the case in 2019 because it did go cold and they reopened it they have exhumed his body for further evidence and uh, hopefully with a new autopsy technician yeah for real 
<laughs> um, they're the only thing because I kept looking online and they're like new evidence or breaking in this case or whatever. But then when you read it, you're like, okay. So apparently the same night as that party, there was a party close to that one that a, a fight happened and everybody left and then they showed up at Alonzo's party or the party that Alonzo was at. Mm-hmm. And so they're thinking that even more than a hundred people were at this party at one time. Wow. Yeah. And nobody said anything. Not a single That's person has any idea what happened to him. Ugh. Yeah. I can't believe that. Yep. So if anybody knows anything, um, I highly suggest that maybe you do say something because right. his poor mother, she he has or she has to live every day knowing nothing about what happened to her son and Mm -hmm. if you know anything try to put yourself in that situation you live every day knowing what happened to alonzo and you don't want to speak up because you're scared of you know something you're scared you're obviously you're scared Mm -hmm. and but you have to put yourself in that situation you're a mother and you have a child and something happens and you don't know you don't ever have the answer but you know that somebody else has the answer and you are that person, then go to the police. Even an anonymous, right. anonymous tip. You anonymous don't, tip, yeah. You don't even have to say your name. You can say, this person did it. This, or, you know, if you know who did it. Or even if something happened that you think is inconsequential, could be, you know, the connecting thing that gets them somewhere. Yeah, anything. Anything, yeah. anything helps with this one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think about Alonzo quite often because... It's scary knowing that we lived in that town our whole life and A, didn't even know about the story and B, we could have been living by somebody who hurt Alonzo. Was involved. Yeah. 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 Or somebody is. Yeah. Or somebody is living with somebody who knows somebody got murdered or died. <clears throat> right. You know, accidentally and didn't say something. And I, that's just as bad. Okay, maybe not as bad as a murderer, but you know what I mean. <laughs> right, yeah. If you see something, say something. That's what they tell you at school. Yep. But that is the case of Alonzo Zoe Brooks, and um, it's one that I think can be solved, and I hope one day it yeah. does. Yeah. I'm glad they reopened the case, and I'm thankful for shows like that that bring interest to cases like that that probably would have lost a lot of coverage yeah, because I feel like if it never was on that show, I probably would have lived my whole life not knowing about it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can understand at that age why my parents weren't like, hey, some guy wound up dead right, <laughs> in a backyard. I mean, my parents never would have brought that up to me. I was eight. Does your mom remember the case? I didn't ask her. I need to. Yeah, I asked my parents and they're like, oh, yeah, it was huge. I'm like, well, why didn't you ever tell me? <laughs> okay, well – um, Again, that was on, what was the show called, True? Um, it is Unsolved Mysteries, Volume 2, and the episode is called No Ride Home. Okay. Okay, well, my case, I hope you haven't heard of. This is the case of a missing person, Bryce Laspisa. No, I haven't heard this one. Okay, this is a good one. Um, very intriguing. So just at the get-go, I pretty much only used this one article because it was very comprehensive, and I wanted to get this a pretty it's going to be pretty long but it's very interesting and the most confusing part of this case is the different towns that are involved because mm-hmm. travel traveling is kind of an important part of this case okay. so i do my best and there is a map quest section where uh about halfway through i explain kind of 
where all these um, cities are located because um, this takes place in California, so not anywhere we're familiar with. Okay. So um, the article that I used is from truecrimesblog.medium.com. And it was very comprehensive and and helpful. So, um, and then the map quest part, I did myself on Google Maps because <laughs> I had no idea where any of these towns were. So, uh, a couple of the podcasts I like have done this case. Um, I'm pretty sure Crime Junkies did it, and um, and that's why we drink. I think also did it. Little side note: I've been starting to listen to Crime Junkie, and I love it. Oh yeah, it's good. It's so good. It's really good. That was the first um, podcast that got me into true crime. Mm -hmm. And now I listen to like five. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's a really good one. So if you want somebody who does a way better job than me, um, listen to this one and then go to Crime Junkie (laughs) (laughs) and then get a real good um, in-depth overview. But okay. So this case took place in 2013 in California. Uh, The missing person is Bryce Laspisa. He was born in 1994. So he's a year younger than me. And his parents are named Karen and Michael. So they were, um, Bryce was born in Illinois, but moved to California. I couldn't find when. Bryce's parents lived in a town called Laguna Niguel. Niguel? Okay. And Bryce goes to community college 450 miles away in Rockland. And he goes to Sierra Community College. So when this takes place in 2013, Bryce is 19. So he's a sophomore at Sierra College. Um, He lives with his friend, Sean. He has a girlfriend named Kim, who he loved. And he was doing pretty well in school at this time. So when the events start taking place, it was August 26th when Kim started noticing odd behavior from Bryce. And Kim is his girlfriend. Bryce talks to his mom on August 26th, and she says they had a pretty normal conversation. Bryce did experiment with drinking and drugs. Um, from what The only drug that I have confirmed that he took um, was Vyvanse that was not prescribed to him. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, Vyvanse is normally prescribed to people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. So he just did things like that, which in my college experience, it was pretty normal for people to drink pretty regularly and take ADHD medication that wasn't prescribed to them. That wasn't like, that wasn't necessarily something that would like raise a red flag. Yeah, it was pretty normal. It was pretty normal. Not anything I did, but (laughs) it was pretty normal. (laughs) I like to say I should have got a special degree for getting through four years of college without taking Adderall or something. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So nothing really out of the ordinary for a college student, but he did drink and people, his, his friends reported that he would typically drink about a bottle of alcohol in a weekend oh wow i mean you know like that's kind of a lot that is a lot because if i think about the time that i was supposed to be like when i was having like my college experience i don't think i would drink that much in a weekend no no unless i was maybe sharing it yeah but if you think that it it seemed to me that like just himself he would consume about a bottle which would to me would mean like a fifth yeah that's hopefully seemed- not a handle but yeah that, that's what i had in my mind i was like oh, oh that's a i don't know i don't know for sure but he did consume quite a bit of alcohol okay but again for a 19 year old boy in college you know that's not super abnormal yeah unhealthy and concerning yes but yeah. not out of the ordinary so what started getting weird was when he started adding in the vivance mm-hmm 
And that's when Kim started noticing that he was acting strange. And his roommate, Sean, said that he would take the Vivance and be drinking so that he could stay up late to play video games. That is dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous to mix the two. Yeah. So that was August 27th that he was staying up really late to play the video games. August 28th is when more of Bryce's friends get really concerned to the point where his roommate, Sean, calls his mother. Oh. Saying that he was really concerned about Bryce because Bryce had just abruptly broken up with Kim via a text message saying that she'd be better off without him. And it seemed to be kind of out of the blue because from what I can tell, they didn't have a fight or anything. He just kind of randomly texted her and broke up with her. And so Sean was so concerned to the point that he called his mom, Karen, Mm -hmm. Bryce's mom. And so that's pretty, I mean, a 19 year old boy calling his friend's mom. Yeah. You know, there has to be a good reason for that. I would think. (laughs) Yeah. I (laughs) know. Especially when it's related to drinking and drugs. Like, yeah, I think that's when you know that there's something wrong. Yeah. And as a mom, I feel like, okay, I'm not a mom, but like, if I was a mom and my son's friend called me saying that he was worried about him, I would be driving up there. I mean, you know, right. beside myself. So Sean knew that something was bothering Bryce, but Bryce had never gone into detail about his issues. Mm-hmm. So Sean calls Karen saying that he's she's he's concerned about him. And meanwhile, Bryce is on his way to Chico, California which is north of Rockland where Kim lives. So he's driving this girl he just broke up with her back to her house in Chico. Okay. That's about an hour and a half. So he's up in Chico with Kim and he calls his mom. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm taking Kim to Chico. Everything's fine. Kim gets on the phone and is like, something isn't right. He's acting really weird. and I don't think he should be driving. So basically Kim is saying, I think he needs to stay up here. I don't think he should be driving back to Rockland. Yeah. Karen gets on the phone and Bryce is like, I'm fine. Like, don't come up here. I'm fine. I'm going to go home. I'll, I need to talk to you about something, but we'll talk about it later. Okay. So Karen tells Kim, he seems fine to me. Go ahead and give him his keys and let him drive back to Rockland. And Karen made Bryce promise to call her in the morning. So this is August 28th and Bryce left Kim's house in Chico around 1130 p.m. So August 29th at 1 a.m., so just a few hours later, phone rings, and Karen misses the call. Uh, it was from Bryce, but she was just assuming he was just calling to say that he had arrived back at his apartment in Rockland because that time frame would put him back um, at his college town mm-hmm. around that time. However, <laughs> when they look at the phone records, they realize that Bryce was actually calling from a desolate location an hour away from his house. Oh. So that's three hours. So like an hour and a half to Rockland from Chico and then another hour away in this small town called Button Willow. So that was on the 29th. On the 30th at 11 in the morning, Karen and Michael receive a voicemail from Bryce and he let them know that he had to use his roadside assistance at nine o'clock that morning because he ran out of gas. So this is now in this place called Button Willow, which is west of a, a bigger town called Bakersfield. That's 350 miles away from Kim's house in Chico, where he was on the 28th. Oh. So it's now been four, almost 48 hours. And he's just in this random town called Button Willow. So this is where we get into the map quest, because I know we're confused. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just to give you a little map of where we're at here, because it is pretty relevant. So Rockland is where Bryce is going to school, where his apartment is, where he lives with Sean. Mm-hmm. It's two hours northeast of San Francisco, if that can kind of give you okay. 
a little mental map. Kim lives in Chico, an hour and 45 minutes north of Rockland. So that was where he was at 1130 on August 28th. Bryce uses his roadside assistance near Bakersfield, which is four and a half hours south of Rockland and two and a half hours north of Laguna Niguel, where his parents live. So he's only two and a half hours from his parents' house at this point. Oh, okay. Okay. So his parents thus live about seven and a half, eight hours from Rockland, where his apartment is. And he's most of the way there at this point when he's calling them and telling them he ran out of gas. So does that is that helpful? Yes. <laughs> Are we a little better? Okay, so he's in Buttonwillow. He's two and a half hours north of his parents' house. Okay, so Christian, who is the hero of the story, mm-hmm. he works for Castro Tire and Gas in Buttonwillow, and he delivers three gallons of gas to Bryce in his car where it ran out of gas in Buttonwillow. And if you look at the map, Buttonwillow is pretty much on the way between Rockland and Laguna Niguel. So Karen and Michael are like, oh, he's coming here. He should be here within three hours if he leaves Buttonwillow. He's on his way. Mm-hmm. So they tried to call him, making sure he was on his way, and he wouldn't answer. So three hours rolls around, four hours rolls around. He's still not home. The Lispisas actually call Castro Tire and Gas again, mm-hmm. where Christian works, and see if Christian would go see if Bryce is still in Buttonwillow. And so this has been three or more hours and Christian goes back to where he had seen Bryce earlier and given him the gas and he was still sitting there in his car. Oh. He hadn't moved. Okay. So if you remember, 11 a.m. is when he gets the gas in Buttonwillow from um, Christian. He left Chico at 11.30 a.m. two days prior. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so now it's probably nearing four or five o'clock, and he's still sitting in Buttonwillow. So Christian's like, what are you doing? And Bryce just says, nothing. And so Christian called Karen and was like, he seems fine. He's just, he looks tired. Like, his eyes are really red. Mm -hmm. He should have been home to Laguna Niguel by three o'clock. Yeah. And six hours of calling him after his expected arrival time, he doesn't answer. So nine o'clock rolls around. Karen and Michael track Bryce's cell phone. Again, it's been six hours, and he is two and a half hours away from their house. So Karen and Michael track Bryce's phone at 9 o'clock, noticing that he's only traveled eight miles since they spoke to him at 12.30 that afternoon. Eight miles. Yeah. In six hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So they call Highway Patrol Mm -hmm. to see if they can find Bryce, and they find him sitting in his car in Buttonwillow. So this is nighttime, 9 p.m. Um, the police search his car for drugs, and they don't find any. They do a field sobriety test, and he passed. They talk to Bryce for 20 minutes, and they really urge him to obviously call his parents and go home. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Bryce doesn't want to call his parents. However, the police force him to and call his mom at 10 o'clock and ha- has Bryce talk to his mom. So Karen's like, what the heck are you doing? And he was like, oh, he's going to go hang out with friends later. So yeah. 11 o'clock, it's now 11 o'clock. He gets, he purchases a drink from a gas station in Buttonwillow and says, tells his mom that he's on the I-5 heading towards Laguna Niguel. Okay. However, sometime in the middle of the night, Bryce calls roadside assistance again and is still in Buttonwillow. What? <laughs> so 
at this point, he's been in Buttonwillow for 13 hours. And he's just always in his car. Yep. He's just sitting there. Okay. So this time, roadside assistance follows Bryce onto the highway. Yeah. And according to the GPS, Bryce should be in Laguna Niguel at his parents' house at 325 in the morning. So this is all on August 30th. August 31st, Bryce calls his mom at 1.50 a.m., letting him letting her know that he's getting back on the I-5 and should be at their house at 325. Okay. 2 a.m., Bryce calls his mom again and let her know that he's going to sleep in his car because he's been awake for over 48 hours and he's going to get off the highway and sleep in the car. And Karen's like, okay. <laughs> So instead of sleeping, however, he drives to Castaic Lake, I think is how you say it. So this lake is an hour and 15 minutes down the road from Button Willow and an hour and a half from Laguna de Gal. So he's getting closer to his parents' house. Yeah, it's like halfway almost. Yeah, he's just he's on the way, but he stops at this lake. At 8 a.m. on the 31st, uh, California Highway Patrol arrive at the Lispisa home to let them know that they found Bryce's 2003 Toyota Highlander at 530 that morning abandoned at the lake. Hmm. The vehicle was crashed and laying on its side. Oh. So it was upturned on the driver's side. At the bottom of a 25-foot embankment near the lake's access road. So the road that you would, like, take a a boat down Mm -hmm. to get into the lake. Bryce was not in the car. Um, However, they found his wallet, his cell phone, and his laptop in the car. Okay. There was blood in the car, but not enough to assume that he was, like, really seriously injured. Like, maybe just a small, like, superficial wound. So, they checked CCTV footage, and they noticed that Bryce's car was making trips around the lake. Because it was spotted at 2.15 a.m. and then again at 4.29 a.m. And, like I said, the car was found at 5.30. So, he was just driving around. Yeah. He was, like, searching the lake or canvassing it or just driving around it. Okay. So then they investigate the tire tracks at the top of this 25-foot embankment. And based on the tire tracks, they can tell that Bryce went down the embankment really fast and did not try to use his brakes. Mm. So based on this evidence, they think he was trying to take his own life. Yeah. So obviously they um, send out search parties around the lake for several days. During the search, they had to call off Bryce's search because a brush fire started around the lake. Mm. And they found a body, and it turns out that the body was set on fire, and that's what started the fire. Oh, wow. Jesus. However, the body was not Bryce's. What? Yeah, the body was not Bryce's. The body actually belonged to a 35-year-old man man named LaMondre Miles. Okay. And they found out that he had been shot many times for not paying somebody money that he owed them. And they, they killed him and burned his body near the lake. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so insane. So as the search parties continue after that, on the ninth day of the search, bloodhounds pick up Bryce's scent. Oh. Um, starting at the dam by the lake, which would, I'm assuming, be near where his car was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, his car was found near the access road. And they followed the scent to the nearest truck stop. And that's where the scent ends. Oh. So they searched for three weeks um, with no leads and ended the search after three weeks. The Laspisas went on to hire a private investigator and amongst their search efforts hired a company that used sonar to search the lake for Mm. his body. Uh And after 12 days of that, they never found a body in the lake either. Wow. 
So the police start talking to Bryce's friends and family after not being able to find him and find out that he had given away his diamond earrings, his Xbox, and had texted his roommate Sean the following. I love you, bro. Seriously, you're the best person I've ever met and you saved my soul. So it's very common for people who are thinking about taking their own life to start giving away personal belongings, writing heartfelt letters to loved ones. Mm -hmm. But Sean said he didn't get that impression from Bryce. He really thought that Bryce just needed or that Bryce was just planning to find himself and was expecting him back after Labor Day. Yeah. That brings us to our theories because Bryce is still missing to this day. It has been over seven years since Bryce went missing and there has been no sight of him. Um, just a little details about Bryce's physical appearance. He is pretty tall. He has bright red hair, like very red. Okay. And he also has a very distinctive tattoo on his shoulder of his left arm, I think. Yeah. It's uh, It starts at the top of his shoulder and goes almost halfway down his bicep. Um, so it's very distinctive and noticeable. So just – to give a little detail because if he was out and about he'd be really hard to miss Mm -hmm. so here's some theories for and of course we can talk about our own some theories for this missing person's case of course psychologists think that drug use led to a psychotic break from mixing vivance with alcohol and possibly other pills um they also think that maybe he had a head injury following the crash but you know which makes sense but to me, it's like he pro- he had something wrong before the crash. Yeah. <laughs> what else would make somebody just run their car off of a cliff, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, so most people think it was probably a mixture of a psychotic break and a brain injury. Yeah. Um, which was, would be why he would stumble away and not be found. Some people think that he just wanted to start a new life and just wanted to leave. That was my start over. first impression just because the – the cadaver dogs, um, or not the cadaver dogs, I guess they were looking for him to still be alive, yeah. hopefully. They called them bloodhounds, I think. Yeah, yeah. So they the search stopped at a truck the truck stop. So right. I feel like if we take out um like him taking his own life and mm-hmm. he maybe he just wanted to start over. He was yeah. sick of the life that he had, but he didn't want his life to end. So him mm-hmm. going there, and, but then, but then, why would he drive his car down right. there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This this is a tricky yeah. one. It's a weird one. Yeah. So the so trying to justify why he was in Buttonwillow for so long, a lot of people think he was waiting for someone there. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So what they think either he was waiting for somebody that was going to take him to his new life or whatever, mm-hmm. or a drug dealer. Yeah. So I guess people – so people that hear the story that are or have been into drugs, that was their first thought because it's something that they had done in their life too, waiting for the – waiting for a pickup. Yeah. And they said they would wait for days for a pickup if they had to. So that's a possibility of why he was in Buttonwillow for so long. Did they catch the guys that killed and set that guy on fire? No, so that is another – okay, well, I don't know if those guys were caught, but they – some people do think that he got mixed up with the murderers because that all happened around the same time he was at the lake. Mm-hmm. So they're, they think, like, he crashed his car, wandered off, happened across the situation of this body being burned, and they killed Bryce yeah. as a witness or whatever. Because it happened so, yeah, the that same was night, that, right? Um, 
I don't know that it happened on the same night, but during his search, oh, the body right. body was dumped and sat on fire. Yeah. So it was within the first few days of the investigation or of the search of the lake. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it was exactly the same day, but it was within days. So um, then, of course, the the um, assumption that he was trying to end his life. But, you know, if he was and like he wasn't successful, obviously, with the truck or with the car off the cliff thing, mm-hmm. you know, where did he go? He was adopted so, by aliens. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what another one is a mixture of the truck stop and foul play. So maybe he hitched right at the truck stop and then also was murdered by the trucker. <laughs> just yeah. By I mean, there's murder trucker. There's so many different possibilities with this one. But the thing that kept like the thing that that tricks me is that he was the one that drove down. I guess we don't right. know if he was the one that drove down there, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was the only one in the car. Yeah, that's true. So, um, so in 2013, in the fall of 2013, so in the months after his disappearance, he was cited multiple times in Oregon. Oh. But none of them were confirmed to be him. Okay. So here's what I, here's the questions that I have. And they mostly revolve around his parents' actions or lack thereof, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, I, I don't want to make – I'm not a parent. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll say. You know, Bryce is a 19-year-old man i mean he's for lack of a better word an adult which i did not feel like an adult at 19 oh, but no you know they knew his they knew their son yeah and obviously he was independent enough to go to a school nine hours away which i never would have done mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know if it were me and let's say let's say my niece or my nephew like i know they're not my kids but if my nephew was at his girlfriend's house and his girlfriend was talking to me like he's not okay he can't drive there's no way in hell I would let my kid drive. Yeah, if, if even if someone was that concerned. Yeah, even that. And then if I texted my dad and I was an hour and a half away or, you know, even two hours away, and I said, I am too tired, I'm going to sleep in my car, my dad would have gotten in his car and oh, come and got me. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. My dad would have come and got me the minute I told him I had to use roadside assistance to get gas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what really gets me is that he was in Buttonwillow less than two hours from their house for 13 hours. Yeah, I would have gotten him. I would have And neither of them went up there. And from what all from what all I can tell, they had perfect perfectly reasonable transportation. So like why didn't You know what I mean? Like they did not have a car or something. So were they just like he can figure it out? He's an he's an adult now? The only thing that I can think of is whatever he was saying to them when he was talking to them on the phone led them to believe that he was fine. But I would say maybe after the first two conversations, I could be convinced. But after six of them and he's still not home and he's a couple hours away. Yeah. I would just got – I would have gotten in my car and would have – I would have been him. in my car and been up there yep. immediately. Yep. Honestly, as soon as Kim called me and said something's wrong, I would have been on my way up to Chico or whatever. Yeah. Because I, I mean, picked him. any family member, even if it's a cousin that I don't talk to very often and I was yeah. talking to them for some weird reason and they said – yeah, I'm on my way, but I'm two hours away. I'm too tired. Or, you know, someone calls me and say, you know, your cousin's been in the same car and he hasn't, yeah. he hasn't moved and I don't know what's going on. I would have either A, called his parents and make sure they get their asses down there or I would have jumped in my Go car. Yeah, because if you're too yeah. tired to drive and you're going to pull off the highway, I'm going to come and get yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. That's the other crazy thing is they let him – 
quote unquote, sleep it off in the car. <laughs> I can't. Because at that point, if he had been drunk when he left um, Chico, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way he was still drunk and they didn't find any drugs in his car. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Something seems so, weird with that. His headspace was not right. No. And it was not because he was under the influence. Yeah. And he should not have been traveling by himself. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely have some criticisms of his parents' mm-hmm. lack of action. And there's no way to put to say exactly how you would react in a situation like that. But I don't think I would do nothing. Yeah, I would have done a better job than that. Sometime in the 13 hours, I would have been in Button Willow. Yeah. 100%. Like, if I'm looking at his phone and he's only gotten – he's only done eight miles and he's not answering my phone. Like, eight yeah. miles in the past, what? What was it? 13 hours? Nine hours, yeah. Like, obviously yeah. something's not right. Right. Yeah. I would say if I really had to nail down when I would have gotten the car and left – at the very, very latest, it would be the second time Christian went back to the car and he was yep. still there. Yep. I would have immediately been on my way up there. Yep. So I just find that very strange. He's never been seen. Um, a theory that I have that I didn't read about in this particular article was that his parents were aware that he was wanting to start a new life. Oh. Because I, I can't think of another reason why they wouldn't have been in the car on the way to him. But I mean, even still, like he's he was supposed to be on his way to his parents' house. Yeah. And he probably kept saying, I will be there. I will be there. I will be there at 325, you know, and they're just going to brush it off. Like, well, he wants to start a new life. Like, that's 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 bullshit. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So his parents maintain that he was met with foul play, um, whether he ran into the murderers of LaMondre Miles or um, was murdered by the trucker <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where they stand. Um, but families never really want to admit that their loved one left their life or, um, you know, was thinking about hurting themselves. Right. So, you know, that makes sense. But, gosh, it's just really, really weird, mm-hmm. the the whole thing. Um, and especially the car. That, that part that he left it there, he left all of his belongings there, but was not found anywhere near it. Because, like, my only thing would be the lake, but if they searched it. They did a sonar search, which I don't know how – I don't know how that works, but it seems like they conclusively said that he was not in the lake. Just very mysterious. Um, I'll just throw this out there. There is a $5,000 reward for his safe return or finding out maybe what happened. Um, You can call 949-292-4400 or email findbricelespisa. That's B-R-Y-C-E-L-A-S-P-I-S-A at Gmail if you have any information on the missing case from 2013. Hopefully, maybe one day his parents can get closure on that one. I hope so because I can't imagine – and we brought up Ma- Madeline McCann earlier. Mm-hmm. That's another one I would love to cover because I've heard that story probably six or seven times <laughs> on different podcasts and the documentary, and it just is insane. I need to watch the documentary because I just listened to the podcast, and apparently a lot mm-hmm. of people were saying that she's missing, but on the podcast, they have somebody in custody for her murder. Yes, and that's pretty recent. Um, I don't know if the documentary was released before or after that that guy was apprehended but he was a serial um murderer slash pedophile Mm -hmm. from germany yeah so they're still pending on that i need to watch that documentary yeah it's a good one
Thank you for listening to this episode of Fluff Stuff. You can find us on Instagram at Fluff Stuff Official. We release new episodes every Sunday.